Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. My guest this week is Brett Underwood coming from down under with uh, his his little boy Arlo. Uh, calling from all the way from Australia. Brett, how you doing this evening? Yeah, we're good. We're really good. Yeah. It's, not, it's past my bedtime, but we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate Arlo could hang on for a little bit and, and uh, you know, you gave him permission to stay up past his bedtime to talk dogs and all that stuff. When you reached out, I thought it'd be a blast to kind of get to know what you guys do a little bit different than us overseas in Australia. But uh, let's let's go ahead and start off. Where in Australia are you from and what kind of dogs do you run? So we're in Victoria, down way down south, um, and we run Springer Spaniels. Springers? What? What? Why Springers? Why flushing dogs in general? And then, but more specifically, why Springers? Um, do you know? Um, <clears throat> I had no idea what I was getting into when I started this whole thing, and. Um, and my kids wanted a dog for so long and I just said, no, no, no. And and then um, I said we could only get a dog when we all agreed on what kind of dog we'd get. And then um, someone said they liked Springer Spaniels and then I liked them. And then someone else, so we got a Springer Spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't have anything to do with like hunting quality or specific targets that you're going after it was just getting the whole family on board with the same dog yeah look I, I to be honest with you i didn't even know what these dogs were bred for like it was just um the way we got into it was it was just a whole sort of series of you know different things that happened and and it all sort of worked out to to get us here yeah so nice so you so you didn't know what the dog was about or what they w would really do or hunting style. So talk to me about how now you're on gun gun dog at yourself. I'm assuming you've kind of come around to hunting this dog. I'm assuming did the dog just need an activity? Was it kind of terrorizing your family for a little bit? 
No, look, I, I didn't have a dog for such a long time because I always felt that, like, if you had a dog, you need to give a dog a really good life. And things had changed in my life and stuff and, and um, things had moved around and I had time for a dog. And so I was talking to a breeder for over 12 months about a Springer Spaniel and um, and he kept saying, oh, next litter, next litter, next litter. And he was a lovely guy and we got along great. And then eventually he said to me, um, one of my mates has just had a litter and he's got a pup if you'd like to take it. And so um, I said, yeah, all right. And it was during COVID and, and lockdowns. We had pretty harsh lockdowns in Victoria. And, um, but I worked for myself, so I made a work permit and went and picked up this pup. And um, it just turned out the guy who bred our, our first Springer um, actually owns a bird park here in Victoria. Nice. So he breeds partridge and pheasant and, and California quail as well. For, for paid shooters and um, anyway, I got the I got my pup home and I started you know teaching it to sit and stay and shake hands and oh come yeah yeah recall was a big thing for us and all that sort of stuff and actually I I kept bringing the breeder back like you know once a week for a while and then it was every second day for a while. <laughs> And um and actually when the lockdowns ended, my whole family wanted to see where our pup had come from. So we went up to this guy's place and um we hung out and we just got along really well and um I kept I kept ringing him even after that visit and getting advice and tips on training, you know, giving this dog a good life. And um in the end he just said, just come up here and um, stay the night and I'll show you what these dogs do. And so he put some partridge out in the paddock and he handed me a shotgun. <laughs> and I said, I, I said, look, I've never touched a gun in my life, you know. <laughs> he said, well, bird fly, shoot bird. <laughs> <laughs> that, that easy. Step one, yeah. step two. <laughs> yeah. So he put, he put me out with some pointing dogs first, obviously, because things are a bit different with flushing dogs for a first-timer and stuff. So, um, But, yeah, look, once, once I sort of had an understanding, like, um, I was away, you know, like I just, I just couldn't get enough. And, um, yeah, we, um, we train every day. I, I think, I think what I, what I lack in experience, I make up for in, um, you know, work ethic, I think. And enthusiasm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, so Arlo, how, how old is Arlo? Nine. Nine. So Arlo, did you help train the dog while you're stuck under COVID? Did you start learning how to work the dog and recall and all that fun stuff? Yes. That's awesome. So talk to me like you, you got you just said that you weren't a hunter before. The breeder kind of brought it out in you. Are you kind of fired up now to to see what this dog is capable of? I'm not even familiar with the hunting opportunities uh per se in Australia. Oh, okay, yeah. So down here, um waterfowl is huge so there's there's lots of history in waterfowl and and you know nine times out of ten if you talk to a bird hunter down here they're a waterfowl hunter um uh we do have the only wild game bird we have is um is quail stubble quail and only one variety of quail which is stubble quail stubble quail 
Yeah, yeah. Mm. And have yeah, you so, have you gotten look, out and chased them at all yet? Have you had a chance? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like yeah. we're 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 nonstop. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so so you're hooked. Yeah. So it didn't. It's not like you're just kind of like slowly coming into it. When the breeder introduced you, y'all, you you guys are just full bore into it then. Yeah. Look, we um. I actually work at the bird park now as well, guiding hunters, I suppose you guys would call it. But, yeah, I, um, I sort of – once I sort of put a few things in place, we we did – we did. Um, I guess last year was our first real season and and so we opened quail season with my friend who bred our first one, Sheriff, and um, – and Sheriff, Sheriff had like almost a natural steady. So um, um, he started to look at her as potential for working at the bird park and just said, look, if you can get this and this done, um, you know, you can you can work. And then, of course, the fact that we get so, – so our wild bird season is much like yours. It's probably about three months normally. Ours was cut short this year for political reasons, but mm. um, anyway, um, it's normally like three months. But with with the paid birds, we probably um, we probably worked for about eight months of the year last year. So it's a it's a long time. So I say it's my first season, but you know, there's almost two and a half seasons in that really. Like, so it's a lot of time, and um, and. And we also uh, competed in a field trial last year as well. So, oh yeah, how how'd yeah, that go? Yeah. What kind? What just is it? A, was it an actual field trial or was it a hunt test? Like, what kind of organizations do you guys have? Yeah, over there? so we we have we have two organizations really, which is um, ANKC and and WAGA, which is Working Gun Dog Association of Australia, and so we're part of WAGA, um, and. And Wagga had um, their first flushing dog trial for about, I think it was about five or six years, yeah. maybe, just just because of low numbers. You know, pointing dogs are really popular here, and and all that sort of stuff. So it was the first one in a long time, and um, yeah, we we were just really lucky. So I, I train, um, I train my dogs to be um, steady to flush shot and fall okay so I want that when when they're out in front of um, paying shooters you know they I just want them safe mm-hmm. so and so um, your expectation with your dog is you're going out you're hunting you're walking around your springers go in flush it and then are they required to sit after the flush or just stop and wait on you to release them they're they've got to sit on the flush yeah. yeah. So they're allowed to gain advantage to mark. So, but as long as they're as long as as soon as they can have got good vision to mark, they they park their butts, mm-hmm. then we're all good. Yeah. yeah. And so how long did it take you to train that? Being your first dog overall, your first flushing dog, but it sounds like you had obviously a lot of time to to work with the dog during COVID. But I'm just wondering that wasn't too long ago. So is the dog like two years old now or something like that? Uh, she's she's nearly three. Okay. Now. Yeah. So um, yeah, like I was saying before, she sort of had a natural steady. 
you know, like um, once the bird got up, she would she and and the gun went off. The gun seemed to steady her naturally, anyway. So, and I think we did we did a lot of work on impulse control. So once I had um, we, we even with stupid little tricks, we did impulse <laughs> control. You know, like food on the floor in front of you, and if you leave it, you can have twice as much. You yeah, know, like just just. Just all that basic impulse control stuff. So once I had an idea of how to get it, it wasn't hard to put the work in to to get it all the way through. But look, I did I did everything from um, um, I didn't actually I don't actually house homers, but um, I was trapping doves nice. <laughs> and then releasing them close to home for the dog and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, look, I just I just put in a ton of work, and and I think we got steady by putting those birds out three or four times a week, and and um and on a long lead, you know, yeah. so so I could pull her up, and yeah, yeah, no, that's that's impressive for your first dog to just kind of go th- that smoothly through the process. Let me ask you, with your first one, well, what, it wasn't super smooth. There well, was lots of tears. I know we're <laughs> glossing over it. We can't hit. You know, we'll touch on some of the mistakes here in a little bit, but uh, just just the fact that you know, at the stage that you're at, it sounds like it was just a natural progression. It made sense to you, made sense to the dog. When you're first starting out, you know, usually it's pretty hard for people with their first dogs to learn or figure out how they want to approach training their dogs. So tell me about the resources. Where did you go to figure out how to learn or, or the information on how to construct your training methods? Well, so I had I had Rick who who bred Sheriff and owns the bird park. Um, so he was he was he would always answer the phone to me and then we started to go to Wagga. He introduced us to Wagga and then um, there's a couple of guys there that um, I really got along with um, uh, and uh, and they always answer the phone to me and and I guess, like, I was never embarrassed to ask anything, you know, like I'm so late into the game Um and I don't really feel like I have anything to prove and I'm not embarrassed by asking a stupid question. So I just ask them and get the answers and get the help. Yeah. That's all yeah. I do every week here is just ask the stupid questions, <laughs> right? And, and, but I love that because it's like so many people get into the dog world and they're, they're almost embarrassed to ask certain questions. And you know, I, I've said it on the podcast before. There are such things as stupid questions, but you still have to <laughs> ask them, or else you're never going to figure out that it's a stupid question, right? Like, yeah, you know, that's le- right. Le- yeah. leave the ego behind. Ask the question. You might get laughed at, but who cares? Like, nobody's going to go home like, man, that guy asked a really stupid question today. But <laughs> you know, it's like if you have the question, I guarantee you, it's been asked before. Everybody has the yeah. same questions. Ask it. And then, you know, actually take it in and then just don't ask it again if it is that stupid. But it's like so many people are just afraid of appearing stupid that they never ask the question. So, therefore, they move along just being stupid because they don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and look, too, like social media was a big thing. Like I, I, I gathered information from everywhere, you know, anyone who would talk to me 
I would I would ask questions of you know how did you do this why did you do it this way and and I just kept going and going and going and and look like I've I've tried like you know I've tried all these different methods to get to one spot but by trying different methods I've found the one that works for us right you know so like we have we have tried lots of different stuff and um and then we come we we somehow out of the mess of all of it find a path that works for us yeah and stuff like like i never did you know like i always found force fetch really an interesting topic and stuff and i never did it with my dog um and um and and sometimes i wish i did like she like at a wagger training day, there's lots of dogs, there's lots of people, and it's um, dockins and you know bumpers and stuff like that. And and she'll shut down and she won't go because you know two days ago she she picked up thirty birds. <laughs> right. She's like, why why am I running out here for a rubber dummy? And then, <laughs> and I don't really blame her. And I try not to get embarrassed about it at, in front of all these people, you know, because. Because everyone turns up to a training day with the best dog in the world. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they've yeah. all got the greatest dog and, yeah. But but yeah, it's, 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 like, it's all about keeping it in perspective. Like you just said, you know, she has it when it counts. If if there's feathers on it, she'll go retrieve it. Maybe if it's a rubber yeah, canvas right. bumper, you know, maybe she won't. And And people, that's not an uncommon thing. A lot of people have some dogs that are driven to retrieve or at least hunt dead on feather but then they don't have the highest bumper drive. And uh, it's something that as a puppy, you want to cultivate as much as possible if you care to. Uh, but, you know, some dogs just take to it better than others. Yeah, yeah. Look, our, our pup, our pup who's six months old, he he is crazy. Like, he um, <laughs> he did he did maybe like, um, 130 yard blind the other day, like a cold blind, and he's six months old. Nice. Like, he's just driven to retrieve this dog. Like he's constantly got something in his mouth. Yeah. Which is, you know, also a massive issue sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's but, that that's pretty neat. That like you got into it, you didn't even know what you're necessarily getting into with the dog. You train it. You, you have fun, you and the family come together over it, and then that quick you guys decide to get a second one and now you're six months into the second one right now. Yeah, we are, yeah, yeah, which is really interesting. Actually, that that dog was gifted to us as well. So we um, we met we met another breeder at, at the field trial and he actually rang six months later and um, offered us this pup. And nice. so... Yeah, so we um we said we'd take him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Start the party all over again. <laughs> yeah, look, he's a cracking dog. He's AI. Yeah. Bred dog. So he's from Well, I think it's that thing, you know, like it's the it's the bloodline thing, you know. Um good lines, you know, create good dogs. Yeah. And, and and that yeah, so he he's a cracking little Little dog, yeah. Awesome. Well, but, you know, like, they're, they're both amazing. I, I love working with them. Like, yeah. Well, I'm glad they're both working out so well for you. So, you know, again, back back to 
with Australia being so foreign to me, I'm curious. The you have the the scrub quail, you got some waterfowl. What about the access? Do you guys have like talk to me about public land? Is there any, at least in the sense of how I probably understand it over here in the U.S.? Like talk to me about are you allowed to just go out into the wilderness and and have at it? Yeah, so um, the state of Victoria has sixteen public game reserves. Um, most of them are sort of swampland, so big waterfowl um, places. Um, and and occasionally they're shut down because there may be, um, you know, uh, endangered species sort of present on the on the swamp, and and so they they'll shut that that park down for the season or whatever. But yeah, we we have public land, private land, and um, and game parks as well. So gotcha. Yeah. Any? Yeah, I was listening. Go ahead. I was listening to the episode, I don't know what number it was, it was with the guy from the UK and it made me realise like Australia's the, uh, a mix between the UK and you guys, you know, because we can often get work as beaters as well and we'll, we'll, do, fo- we'll um, do fox drives and stuff with the dogs as well and um, work work the foxes to, to a line of guns Um he was he was sort of saying um, they just work with their dogs, yeah. Um, but we'll we'll carry a gun as well. So if I'll, we get a fox, I was just about to ask about the regulations on what you're allowed to or not do. You know, in terms of guns, e collars, stuff like that. I know, like every country and and continent is kind of a different different thing based on where you go nowadays. So I didn't know any regu- special regulations in terms of shotguns or or even e collars. Um, no, so our gun laws, I guess, um, I guess it took me probably about eight months to get my gun license through. Um, so it, it's just a, it's just a full on police check. Yeah. It's just an application and cause I was being a good little boy for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> they, they gave it to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's just so, a process uh, to go through to get your gun then. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a process. Um, you know, the, there were times where I wondered whether they were just testing me, you know, like if you ring them and crack it about how long it takes, they're going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> but no, look, it, it's um, it's not it's not that bad. Obviously, it's not as open as you guys, but it's not that. It's not too hard, like, yeah. as long as you would. Arlo's allowed to shoot. As, he's not allowed to shoot at gun clubs and stuff. He's allowed to private land. He's allowed to shoot on on private land. Yeah, he he was real quick to remind you of that. Don't take his shooting away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. He um he enjoys shooting. Yeah, yeah. What what about e collars? Have you guys had an e collar ban or anything on pinch collars or anything like that so far? No. So I I did I have heard that they're banned in the state of Victoria, but I had no problem getting one. <laughs> that's that's kind of the the people I talk to. They're like, yeah, they banned it, but everybody still has one. They're still going to use it. it. It's just it's just preventing direct sales. But you know, if people are yeah. are advocates of the tools, they're still going to use them. It's just you know, it, yeah, it, I find yeah. it interesting. Yeah, look, I, I find that the, like the whole topic of e collars is a is a huge 
shit fight down here. Like there's there's lots of people that come from that old English thing and they and they don't do it, you know, and they look down on someone who does do it. Mm. And and to be honest with you, I look at it as a as, as a tool, you know, like when you build a house, we don't hand make nails anymore. You know, you don't even hammer them in. You got a nail gun. Like, why, why not accept the technology and use it? True. You know, like I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that use them incorrectly, and there's cheap e-collars that. that but that's do an hurt. education problem, not a tool problem. Exactly. Exactly. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, and also you've described the e-collars as the invisible lead as well. Oh, I guess that. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Good, good reminder there, Arlo. Uh, <laughs> so again, I I could pick your brain on the differences between Australia and the U.S., but that's not what we're here today. Is is I want to I want to learn some of the mistakes that you learn, kind of training your dog yourself, shut down during COVID. It sounds like you had a good, dependable. Uh, uh, phone a friend line with the breeder, you know, you're able to pick his brain whenever you needed, but what was something that you were attempting with your dog or you went out there and trained that you actually screwed up that kind of had a light bulb moment for you to where, Oh yeah, maybe I don't do this again. (laughs) So, so my, um, my biggest screw up was when I did, when I did, um, trap pigeons and put them out, um, you know, I'd, I'd um, rock them to sleep and lay them in the grass. And, um, and I was always petrified they'd get up and fly off before I got back. So I'd, I'd always set them out maybe, you know, like 40 yards in front of the dogs, like straight away, straight in front of them or from where I'd release them. I didn't do it in front of them, but um, straight um from where I'd release them like too far. So they now, they even still do it now. Sometimes when I release, they'll run 40 yards straight out because mm. they got so used to doing that and, and a bird being out there. Yeah. Just, you know? just so repetition over and stuff. over and over again. They just grew accustomed that, Hey, this bird's supposed to be here 40 yards. Away. Yeah. 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 If I run forty yards out, there's going to be a bird there. That's so. interesting. How did how did you overcome that? Just by spacing it out, just kind of sk- salt and pepper in the area, kind of diversifying it a little bit more. No, I, I didn't do any of that. Actually, I, I probably um, I got I got lots of time working on planted birds at the bird park, so it sort of um, worked itself out mm-hmm. in that sense. But. Um, Generally, what I do now, even even now, to stop it, like I'll um I'll send a dog off and I'll blow a stop whistle straight away, and then give him a direction. Yeah. No. So just just I just handle it that way. So uh, um I, I generally always do that anyway. Like I always like to blow the stop whistle pretty quick. <laughs> See what kind of day we're gonna have, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's just get it out of the way. We're we're gonna find yeah. out real quick if it, if they're on their game or not. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you obviously you reached out to me and, and just kind of in a way of saying that you appreciated the uh, the show and everything. So you've been listening for a little bit. Uh, tell me, has there been a guest topic, specific episode that's kind of helped you through some things or just one in particular that you really enjoyed overall? 
I, I love all the profile episodes. I think they're all really cool. You know, they're all everyday trainers and we all make mistakes. And, you know, even seasoned trainers make mistakes. So, like, um, that's all really cool. And, and you know, like I still pick things up all the time and there's, you know, I'll be decided on one direction and I'll listen to an episode and go, oh, maybe maybe I should go that way. <laughs> You know, even though I'm set on my direction and stuff, so I, I like I like the fact that you know, like it, it makes me think all the time. Listening to different people talk about different stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I think my favourite episode overall was the um, the trainer fight. Actually, the trainer fight. <laughs> Because like, like I didn't I didn't completely agree with either of them on certain things. You know, like so I sort of felt like. You know, I almost felt like I could have sat there and joined in that conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, because like there was some things that that I can't even remember their names, but there was some things about one guy, and there was some things about the other guy that I really liked, and and then you know, like yeah, I don't know. Look, I, I think we've all, we've all you know, um, I think I, I think about it all the time. And I think. Like I, I like having my dogs trained to be steady um, to the to the flush shot and fall, but that's not for everybody. Right. And I, I never like, I have just as much fun out with someone with a dog that's just nuts. If they're having fun, their dogs having fun, and we're having fun, you know, then mm. then awesome. It's you know that's what it's about, like yeah. enjoying the dogs. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the trainer fight was, was special in that instance, you know, with Jeremy and Bob both agreeing to go on and, and it's kind of a a bit of, you nailed it to where it's like, well, what's your goals? You know, you can't really, maybe you don't agree with one side or the other, but maybe you lean more one way based on your goals. You know, it's like at the end of the day, Jeremy and Bob both have a different end goal and what they require of their dogs. So yeah, you backtrack from that, they're going to have a different approach on how to train it because their end goal is different. And then uh, the profiles, you know, I'm, I'm, I always love when listeners such as yourself talk about enjoying the profiles, and that's why we do it because it's so relatable to everybody. We've all screwed up. Trainers yeah. screw it up. They tell you all the time that, you know, you're not learning if you don't screw it up. You're not even trying if you don't screw it up. But making it acceptable making making sure that everybody is aware that we all screw up that stupid thing that you think that you're the only one that did no you're not everybody else has done the same exact thing we've all been in the same boat uh the the trick is learning from it and not repeating it right i mean that's the that's the main point of it all yeah yeah that that's exactly right and and I, i think like you know i think the addictive thing about this whole thing is there's there's constant problems to solve, you know, like um, when Sheriff was a pup and she was learning to retrieve, you know, she learned to deliver in a certain way and then and then we had a full-on season and um, and then she had so many birds. By the end of her bird season, like, she was she was running past me and spitting birds out <laughs> on yeah. the ground and, and and they're paying shooters so they don't they don't have time for you to train a dog right so like off the dog goes again you know and then and then summer comes around and I rebuilt it from scratch as if she she didn't know and I really enjoy doing that like 
taking it all back and just and rebuilding it and you know and there'll always be things if it's not if it's not the delivery this this next summer it'll be something else yeah you know like and there's there's just constant problems to solve and then you add different dogs who are completely different and, yeah and there's different ways to solve there's totally different problems you know so absolutely yeah. no that's that, that's a great point where there's always going to be something to work on you can you can make the perfect dog today but guess what tomorrow there's going to be some imperfection that pops up that you got to go work on uh, yeah that's exactly right I, lo- I love doing that yeah right well absolutely. as we kind of wind this down and, and wrap it up arlo is there a favorite episode of yours that you've heard just kind of listening along with dad Mainly the profile episodes. The profiles. Yeah. yeah. Well, now you have your own profile to go back and listen to. You can listen to you and your dad <laughs> talk about Sheriff and y'all's dogs and y'all's journey. And, and it, Brett, I... Can you I, tell I, Nick about your dog? Uh, sure. He, he's Arlo. So he's our other puppy's Arlo's dog. No. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's Arlo's official dog. So he, you make or break that dog then, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll see it. Just start line of a trial, buddy. Well, you'll you'll have to reach back out here in a couple years when the when the new pup gets to sheriff's level, and and we'll we'll explore how you went about training them, Marlo. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. All right, well, guys, I I enjoyed this, Brett. Thanks for reaching out. I I always love connecting with listeners, especially foreign listeners that just completely different world. There's so much to learn. Just how you guys do things uh, based on how we do it. But I really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for reaching out and listening, of course. No, thanks for having us. It's awesome. Keep up the show. It's really cool. Yep, will do. Appreciate it, guys. Cheers. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just to have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.